Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. (laughs) Today is a fun podcast. We started... With a, a little ode, really, uh, to um, uh, Chris Cuomo. You know, as Stu says, Andrew Cuomo is awful.com. But Chris, Chris Cuomo, Cuomo is worse. Right.com. Uh, we talk about the hypocrisy uh, on Chris Cuomo and the people who are screaming, you got to follow science. Really, let's see if they're following science on a few things. Then we also had Lara Logan on. She talked about what's happening with the surveillance state and how it's growing out of control. Uh, And an old friend came by, uh, Andrew Heaton, who is trying to be the number one poet on Amazon today. He's got a new book out called Los Angeles is Hideous, poems about an ugly city. It's a little dark, a little dark. Um, but uh, we'd like you to go out and buy it at, on Amazon and make him the number one poet in the country uh, because that's really how sad and pathetic his life has become. That he's like, please, I have nothing to hold on to. Uh, Los Angeles is hideous. Poems about an ugly city. Very, very funny. And I think we started something in California. You have to listen to the podcast because I think this is going to be a continuing storyline for a while. Don't miss it. You're listening to the best of the Glenn Beck program. Breaking news from Reuters this morning. Protests in Cuba will increase the risk of COVID-19 transmission because of an already high level of cases and the more contagious Delta variant. Health officials said on Wednesday, the Pan American Health Organization urged Cubans and tourists, please avoid all crowds. Do not go out in the streets. Wait, wait, where was this for? Where was it? Don't pay any attention. Don't pay any attention to the man behind the curtain who said it was okay to go out and protest and steal stuff for BLM. He doesn't know what he's talking about. Well, racism is a public health issue. <laughs> That's right. uh, Communism is not. No. Communism is- Communism has only killed oh, about 90 million people in the last uh, 80 years. Maybe more than that. That's China. It was 100 million uh, in, the, in the past century. So we're well over 100 million now. Yeah, yeah <laughs> and growing be, every yeah. day and every in places day. like Cuba. It's killed. Communism has killed more people than all disease combined. <laughs> Pretty much. Yeah. I mean, it's OK. All right. So um, uh, we got to follow the science. And, uh, you know, the good thing is we have guardians of science like Chris Cuomo. Do we have the uh, the audio of what Chris Cuomo said uh about this covid search the delta variant here it is listen the story of this pandemic on the right side is deep denial Mm. and we are going to remember for generations how we made ourselves sick Mm. nobody else did what we've done in america 
Yeah, that's right. We had a cure faster than just about anybody. Yeah. Not a cure, but a vaccine. Uh-huh. And we made ourselves sick. We lied to ourselves. We did. About the pandemic. Our leaders called it a we? hoax. Uh, it's Trump, but it was more than Trump. Wow. He, uh, he went on and, and mm-hmm. talked about this, this controversy in Tennessee mm-hmm. as well. The t- Tennessee. And now we have the big case in point. Uh, Tennessee. Tennessee. Monday, their top vaccine official says she was fired after she sent a memo to vaccine providers about a state law that already existed. Oh, I think it's existed since 1987. <clears throat> it's called a mature minor um, <clears throat> policy, which is where it allows doctors to determine if teenagers, even if they're not, right, of the age of majority, mm-hmm. that they can still be treated as long as the doctor believes that they're mature enough to understand oh. their health care decisions. Okay. So they don't need the parents' consent. Oh. It comes amid a larger effort to halt vaccine outreach for all diseases. Think about that. Why? Think See, about that. Think about it, Glenn. Let me think about it because you, you know what, Stu? You know what I'm thinking? What? I'm thinking this isn't approved for kids. It's not approved for kids. Yes, no. So, uh, was it yes or is it no, Stu? What do you mean, yes, well, no? Well, honestly, <laughs> it, you're right. It is not approved for kids. However, mm-hmm. that does not apply to this particular story because they're talking about 14 to 17 year olds. Oh, which it is okay. approved for Okay, all right. So, you have to be years. mature. Yeah. 14 year olds. That's their rule. Okay, and so, all right. But again, like he's not, it, it has nothing to do with Tennessee. Tennessee is just a way for them to say red state bad, right? Mm-hmm. And Chris Cuomo wants you to know mm-hmm. he's a man of science. He is a man. As of you science. heard. I know that. Mm-hmm. He really is. Yeah. Uh, it's not the red staters, of course. Those, are, those people are against science. Science! <laughs> and he can't believe that these red staters would do such a thing. Well, is this really Chris Cuomo, though? Is he really a man of science? Science! That helps. That's, <laughs> it does. That's really helpful. Worked for Thomas Dolby. Science! <laughs> uh, so let me introduce you to Purist Magazine. Pure, purist Magazine. Purist Magazine. Purist mm-hmm. Magazine. What is Purist Magazine? Uh, well, let me give you their mantra. Uh, uh, make the things you let into your body, mind, and spirit matter. Let Purist be your guide. So what you put into your body should be guided so it's like goop it, that it's like goop it's like goop if you think goop uh is only for peasants you know <laughs> if, if, if goop has number one if it's for only poor people right and also it does it, it has so too high if you want lower credibility right. than goop, so if you, you say purist. goop is too authoritarian authoritarian yeah. authoritative yes. yes uh yes that's true um now interesting purist magazine is run by Christina Cuomo. Uh, of Wait. course, you may remember her as the person who was just found in Jeffrey Epstein's address book. Yeah. Um, Otherwise known as oh, yeah, Chris's Chris wife. Cuomo's wife. Yeah, That's yeah, right. Yeah, I forgot yeah. about okay. that. Yeah. So <laughs> Chris Cuomo's wife has a magazine, and it's this like super elitist Hamptons magazine. Science! <laughs> It's basically a Hamptons version of Goop. Okay. Okay. And so that's really what <laughs> wow. it is. Now, wow, that's snotty. I'm just trying. It's to, like over uh, the top it snotty. Okay. It's like uh, it's like Gwyneth Paltrow is not snotty enough for us. <laughs> right. What do we do? <laughs> so let's start our own thing. Okay. So, uh, purist. It is basically this Hamptons Goop uh, that advises people on all sorts of different. Diseases, among other things. It's also where you buy multi-million dollar re- real estate and all sorts of other ridiculous, uh, expensive things. But a lot of it's focused on health stuff. And it's 
easy to forgive a little diversion for rich people to go and talk about wellness. Uh, you know, you're, you're the wife of a celebrity, and you're gonna all, you know, you're gonna have all the cures and the and the candles, yeah, and, no. and all and all of that. No, I don't think it's that easy to give. You <laughs> could though. No. Like, who cares? Like, yeah, I don't right. care if they read. Yeah, some okay, I give you that. However, we should note that this man who is mm. telling you he's a man of science, science is not only married to, but was also being treated by uh, the doctors who write for Purist magazine and are contributors to Goop. By Good the way. heavens, yes. Mr. Mercantroid. <laughs> 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 These are good references. I like that's, that's, that's a very okay. deep reference. Yes. Okay. So, uh, during the worst part of quote COVID, the mm-hmm. Cuomo family was actually giving recommendations for treatment of COVID-19. Okay. These treatments, these are that's their word, not mine. Treatments for COVID-19, which she uses the word treatments often in between her occasional efforts at legal disclaimer because of course they're not treatments for COVID-19. But things like here's a quote, broth of cayenne pepper, ginger and garlic, or the lemon and ginger tea or vitamin C. She later admits that of course there is not uh, none of these are cures uh, for uh, COVID-19. Um, but added a name of a doctor who is advising them and helped her and her husband, Chris Cuomo, on a path uh, of natural remedies to strengthen his immune system. Okay, so 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 this is this is what he had. This is what Chris Cuomo did. Forget he what was, he's telling you on television. Right. When what he did was he claiming do when he, he got was, COVID? When he was claiming mm-hmm. he was in the basement. Right. Which he wasn't. Yes. Uh, that's, that's, that, this is what he was having. Yes. Now he went to Dr. Linda Lancaster. Oh, love her. Now she, here she is talking about how close to the mainstream of a doctor she is. I'm not a medical doctor. Okay. I don't use drugs. Okay, so it's not a medical doctor. <laughs> Just a Mr. Mainstream Science. <laughs> not when, a, not a, he could have come to me. <laughs> I'm a doctor, too. <laughs> I'm not a medical doctor. Right. Now, <laughs> so Chris Cuomo, again, insulting Tennessee, insulting red states, got to stay with the science, went to this woman who seems delightful. Mm-hmm. She is the founder of something called the Light Harmonics Institute. Oh, love that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And she seems very sweet. She's a naturopathic doctor, which is, by the way, a, a type of doctor not recognized as a doctor of the, by the state of New York. Yeah, but a lot of that people... Are, that, are, that his brother runs. I mean, I have no problem if you're a naturopath. I, I, Absolutely. I mean, I, fine. Again, I, I, I'm not criticizing you could do whatever the hell you want right right the point here though is that he cuomo is on television telling you to follow all the mainstream recommendations of science science (laughs) that he's doing this which are not the mainstream recommendations of science science thank you wait wait science thank you that's much better (laughs) okay Okay. so she uh has uh dr lancaster describes how do we recover from an illness? COVID is a big illness, right? It's right. affecting a lot of people. How do you recover from How it? do we recover from that illness? Hint, it is not medication. The body has an innate ability to heal itself. Uh-huh. We were born with this vital force yes. that knows how to heal us. Mm-hmm. Okay. Right. All what right. interferes or what causes illness? Okay, that's a good question. What causes illness? <laughs> now, I would say... Like a bacteria or a virus, for example. In this particular example, a virus Virus, is what does it. But I'm not a doctor like this doctor. Well, she's not a doctor either. I'm not a science man like Chris Cuomo's a science man. (laughs) Right? Right? Yes. So let's see what she says causes illness. 
For me, it's been evaluating the electromagnetic energy uh, of the cells oh, okay. to see whether they're in a coherent flow. Oh, the flow. It's the flow mm-hmm. of the cells, Glenn. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now, that was my next guess, I will say. <laughs> I didn't. Say, I should have said it. Right. I didn't say well, it. Well, you're not into the chakras. Yeah, right. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Oh, she gets lots of... There's lots of chakra talk, if that's what you <laughs> oh, want. There, there, Tons of chakra uh, talk from really? this lady. Really? Okay. I, I well, don't have any of those clips pulled, but she does talk about it quite uh-huh. a bit. Now... You can argue some Republicans' policies are off the mark, but I've never heard a Republican argue that we should cure diseases by the flow of the cells or (laughs) electromagnetic energy. Right. Okay. Right. Let's hear more about this science. Each cell in our body has a positive and a negative flow. Okay. And the the balance of the positive and the negative Mm-hmm. is the integrity of each cell. Ah. Okay. This flow of energy mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Is, is etheric energy. Etheric. Because etheric. ether the is ether. in all of space. The ether, ether is in all of space, ether. said the doctor. There's so <laughs> The ether is in all so. of space. So I would just mm-hmm. like to point, she sounds like she's very um, Asian medicine. She's very Chinese mm-hmm. medicine, mm-hmm. which didn't help the people in <laughs> Wuhan. <laughs> just... <laughs> Just wanted a science. <laughs> okay, so uh, I'm curious if this is mainstream science. I don't know. Maybe I don't know. Is it Chris? Because I, I, remember, this isn't just some dumb thing his wife recommended in her stupid magazine. Mm-hmm. This is literally how Chris Cuomo was treated for COVID-19. Uh, he's criticizing all these Republicans. Right. This is how he did it. She talked exactly about how she treated her COVID patients like Chris Cuomo later on. Listen. Food is number one for me. I use a, uh, me too. for my COVID patients, I use a soup, a soup called Passata de Vedora, which is green soup. There you go. Again, uh, I have yet to hear Dr. Fauci come out and recommend soup. I, I'll go a step further. I haven't heard Donald Trump recommend soup. <laughs> no. He said, uh, he said uh, hydrochloroquine. <laughs> That's what he said. An actual medicine, a drug mm-hmm. prescribed by doctors. That's right. That was his idea. That was too crazy. But soup, 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 hydroxychloroquine. No, no. Soup. soup. Yes. yes. Okay. Now, All right. there were. I don't know why we bothered with all these vaccines when we had soup. So we, we had soup the whole the time. Soup the whole time. Um, so you know what it is? The drug companies, they are just getting rich while the Campbell's people mm-hmm. had the solution the whole time. This is the best of the Glenn Beck program. Welcome, Laura. How are yeah. you? Hey, I'm good. Thank you. How are you? That's very good. Always good to talk to you. Um, So you I saw you yesterday and you were talking about what is happening uh, with surveillance and privacy and censorship. And I don't think people really understand how bad it is. It is. Does the Fourth Amendment even exist anymore? You know, Glenn, the Fourth Amendment does exist, and that's uh, like really important for people to remember, because if we treat it as if it's already gone, then no one will fight to uphold it. You know, they want, in, in a way, they want you to think the Fourth Amendment is gone. That's part of the problem. You talk to young kids today and they say, ah, so what? I don't need my privacy. I'm not doing anything wrong. And that's because they really don't understand. We've all, you know, we've been deceived by the tech industry because nobody said 
here, take this handy little device, you know, that's going to make your life better and easier in every way and to be safer because you can call for help and so on. And now we're at the point where our phones are tracking us 24-7 and where uh, these people who own these companies own all this information about us. They own everything that we say and do, literally every single thing. So a kid who thinks, well, I'm using a hidden app, right, to, to send, you know, racy pictures to my boyfriend. Well, no, it's, it might be hidden from your parents. It might be hidden from someone who picks up your phone, but the person who owns that app owns all those images of you, and they can do whatever they want with them. And by the way, if they're being stored on a cloud, then, you know, that, that your parent has, and you're underage, your parent is in, now in possession of child pornography. And, you, you know, a few years ago, nobody would have believed that that's the kind of thing the government exploits. Now imagine you were in uh, the Capitol on January 6th, and they don't have anything on you, but they want to get rid of you anyway because they don't like your politics. Well, now you can be charged with child porn because they have the ability to go through everything. And not only that, they, they have made deals with phone companies. I never understood Edward Snowden fully. You know, um, I didn't understand that the programs that he exposed, like Blarney and Fairview and all these others, these were deals that the phone companies made with the NSA to physically allow them into their sites so that they could download all of our communications that go on our phones. And they were paid to do it. So the phone companies made money selling us out. So the fact that all of these people don't, um, that they violate the Fourth Amendment doesn't mean that the Fourth Amendment doesn't exist. What it means is that we're not upholding that right. And that's what we need to start doing. Okay, so for people that, um, there's two, two questions here. One, for people who don't know what the Fourth Amendment is, remind the Fourth Amendment, uh, and then I have a follow-up. So the Fourth Amendment is our right to privacy. And people think it's just about, you know, okay, I'm not doing anything wrong or I don't have any secrets. Therefore, I, you know, I don't care about my privacy. What were the origins of the Fourth Amendment? Mm. It was really the, the founding fathers knew that one of the ways that the British prevented them from organizing um, and rising up and challenging them was preventing them from meeting in private. Right. That's the, the purpose of your privacy is much more than, you know, just being out of public view. And uh, and and so th- there is really nothing that's more central to our democracy than the right to privacy. I mean, all of those rights in the Constitution have a real purpose and a real value. And if we allow people to take them away from us, we're voluntarily surrendering that we're like lambs to the slaughter. Mm-hmm. You know, that's literally what we are. So the the Fourth Amendment also says that you have a right to be secure in your own papers and that again comes from king george quartering soldiers in people's houses just going in and and just saying they're living with you now and you had Mm -hmm. nothing to say about it Uh, and they would go through all of your papers and they would spy on you in your own home Uh, i have contended for a long time the third and fourth amendment are being violated Right now, they're not physically quartering soldiers in your home, but they certainly are in your home through all of the apps that they have back doors on. And they are going through your, quote, papers. This is a a real problem. You're 100 percent right. And sort of the physical, you know, sort of example of that that I think people can grasp onto is Alexa. 
for example, and the other and the other systems like this. What you've done is literally give something. You've said, okay, you know, when they show up at your front door, you don't have to let them in, right? They have to have a warrant. So in order to go into your private space, whether it's your communications or your home, they have to have a warrant. They have to do it legally. And um, if you, you know, that's why the FISA court actually exists. When it comes to surveillance, the FISA court is the highest court in the land. Well, what are the origins of that? Well, you know, back in the 1970s, they realized that government overreach and surveillance was a real problem. So they created a surveillance court specifically to monitor this. And what if we have today? In May, the FISA court came out with a, with an, a historic report that was really a massive rebuke of the FBI and law enforcement. And what it said was that in violation of a 2018 and 2019, two different courts, two different federal judges ruled that warrantless surveillance cannot be used legally. It is inadmissible in court. Well, that happened because of what Edward Snowden revealed. It happened because of what Bill Binney, an NSA whistleblower before him, what he was warning about years before Edward Snowden. He inspired, actually, Edward Snowden. It's what all of them on the inside saw coming, right, and put out there. So what the judges said was, this, this information that you're getting from the NSA has been taken, it's been gathered without a warrant. Therefore, you cannot use it because it violates the Fourth Amendment. Well, the latest report from the FISA court says, what is the FBI doing with regard to January 6th and Trump supporters? Mm. They're using the, the NSA database. Once again, they're using the uh, warrantless surveillance, which has been ruled illegal. Everybody knows it. There's no, there's no hiding it. So in our one episode, we actually show Robert Mueller way back after 9-11, because I think people forget that he was the guy in charge of the FBI at the time of 9-11. And he's defending a technique that the FBI uses to hide the origins of a case in court, right? It's called parallel construction. And it's where the FBI and other agencies have gone to the NSA database, to this surveillance and this warrantless collection of information, whether it's through the internet, through the internet companies, through the phone systems, through whatever it is. And they have used that um, to uh, spy on you and to prosecute you. And they create a parallel chain of evidence. That's what it is. They, it's parallel construction to hide the origins of the case and basically to lie to the court because they know that their evidence is inadmissible. And, you know, this really comes to mind right now because you have how many Americans are sitting in prison in Washington, D.C., who have yet to be convicted of any crime and they're in solitary confinement. You know, Elizabeth Warren and other even Democrat senators have campaigned against solitary confinement. They call it the most uh, cruel form of torture yeah. and extreme punishment. And you have American citizens on American soil in solitary confinement who have never been convicted of a crime. And we are silent, Glenn. And how are they going after all of these people? What this database of surveillance allows the law enforcement to do is to go back in time through all of your communications, find things to manipulate into, uh, you know, your weaknesses or whatever, anything they want. But they can go back because everything digital lives forever. That's how we know, you know, when people are lying, when they say the emails disappeared, right? Lois Lerner, IRS, Hillary Clinton, you know they're lying because in the digital world, nothing ever goes away. So uh, talk to the people who will say, um, I don't have anything to hide. 
I don't think people understand. You know, I, I was I was in a mall the other day and uh, this woman come came running out of a store and she said, oh, my gosh, you're Glenn Beck. And she had a very heavy Polish accent. And I said, yes, ma'am. And she said, I just can't thank you enough for what you say and what you're doing. She's like, I came from communism. I escaped. What is happening? And I said, I, I, people here just don't think that way. We just don't understand what a surveillance and oppressive state really means. So explain to people who say, I don't have anything to hide. I don't care. They can watch everything. Why is this a danger? It's a danger because they're not just looking at what you may have to hide. They're looking at how to manipulate you and into doing what they want. It's a, these are control systems. That's really who they are. And so what we're ultimately, one of the whistleblowers, uh, not whistleblowers, hackers in our piece, who was very, very, uh, if he, he was one of the most revered privacy specialists, online privacy specialists in the world before he was targeted. His name is Jacob Applebaum. And I think he's one of the most extraordinary people I've ever interviewed. And he and Julian Assange and another guy, Trevor Fitzgibbon, who was the PR arm of WikiLeaks, they were the three pillars of WikiLeaks. You know, Julian, the face of it, Jacob was really the, the software and the mind behind it, you know, the technological mind. He vetted all of the Snowden, you know, the NSA documents before that Snowden got to make sure that they were real and so on. And they were all targeted with false rape allegations and their lives destroyed, right? Mm. And Jacob is in self-imposed exile in Berlin. But this young man is uh, is really an extraordinary mind. And he talked to me about the, the future of the world is where we become the monitored class, i.e. you and I and everyone else who's surveilled, mm -hmm. and those monitoring us. And those are really the only two classes in, in the future, right? All of the other stuff, left and right and communist Marxist, blah, blah, blah. None of that is actually going to matter at all because in the future, we are literally separated by those who are monitored and those who are not. Because monitoring us, it encourages us to self-censor, right? So what do we do? We police ourselves. Why are you going to defund the police? You don't need the police because we're going to police ourselves. And with the surveillance, we will always know who's doing what. This is we can decide who we're going to let get away with a crime or, you know, whether there's something. And we need you to do something for us. We know that you're cheating on your wife. Therefore, you're the guy that we're going to go to or your daughter wants to go to this particular college program. OK, and they look back Oh, her parents. Look, they're Christians or oh, she's not going to this program. We don't want any Christians, you know, and um, oh, these people are homophobic or whatever it happens to be. They what they do with the information is they create a human terrain map for every single person on the planet. Anyone who's within a digital signature and within their reach they are creating a, a, a human terrain map that can be used against you by anyone, can be private corporations, can be the health insurance companies. You get your DNA tested at 23andMe. Well, I interviewed a guy from an HMO, one of these health management operations, right, and organizations. And he said they were buying data from 23andMe. They, that's one of those third-party users that they're selling to. So they can then determine with your DNA, the health insurance companies can decide whether or not to insure you and how much to charge you. And you, you can break that down. Well, you know, are we going to give you medical care, cancer treatment? No, you're probably going to die. So you're going to get to the back of the line. We're going to decide who gets treated based on survivability. Or in California, 
a couple of years ago, they made it a law that every child that enters the education system has to be monitored the entire way through because they want to ensure you know, that they all have equal opportunity. Hmm. Well, <laughs> how easy is that to manipulate? Mm-hmm. So I think what, what people really don't understand is that this human terrain map generates what is then called a pattern of life. So it's not just what you do and what you say, it's when you don't do those things, or it's when you change your pattern of life, they're able to identify changes. So say, for example, you know, um, when I was attacked and targeted for my reporting on Benghazi, one of the things that was the subversive thing in all the, the undercurrent behind all the attacks was, was trying to destroy my marriage and break up my home. There were actually articles um, that were, you know, sort of hoping and, and celebrating this idea. And then they started to attack my husband and they tried to suggest that, oh, my husband was, you know, some uh, evil military propagandist and that, you know, that uh, and the inference was, uh, of course, they could only infer it because it's a complete and utter lie that this is, it was somehow tainted my reporting, you know. And so what are they trying to do when they go after you, when they cancel you? They don't want to you to just lose your job. They don't want Megyn Kelly to lose um, her show. They want her never, ever, ever to get another job in mm-hmm. broadcasting ever again. Mm-hmm. When they get rid of Glenn Beck and, you know, Bill O'Reilly, and, and they don't want you to survive. They don't want you to be employed anywhere else. So they want to destroy you financially. They want to make sure that, you know, everyone, when you have financial pressure, it causes uh, friction, right, in homes and in marriages and and difficulties in people's lives. And so you see this over and over and over again. What do they do? They want you never to be hired, right? They're going to say, look what they're doing in corporate America. Mm -hmm. They're saying if you were a Trump supporter or you went to the Capitol on January 6th, you have to be fired. If you're bank with, you're not allowed to bank with us. You're not allowed Chick-fil-A. You can't open a restaurant at a gas station or, you know, motor stop along the way because you don't, you're, you know, you're a bunch of uh, uh, Christians and you don't support transgender rights. This is the best of the Glenn Beck program. And don't forget, rate us on iTunes. From the new book, Los Angeles is hideous. Poems about an ugly city pretty as cinder block smeared with lipstick oh blight of traffic and concrete dumpsters thy principal building material is bathroom tiling grout drenched in sunlight as compensation like a chef at applebee's drowning freeze-dried sadness in cheese to hide the shame the shame All the beauty of a parking lot, and yet, ironically, you'll never find a parking space. Watch them toss palm trees at strip malls to gussy up the streets like injecting Botox into a corpse. Behold the concrete slabs with squares gouged out where dreamers peek from cramped rooms to gaze at hobos masturbating into open sewers. Tis not a city, but a meat grinder that devours skinny hopefuls and burps out chunks of porn star. (laughs) Los Angeles is a prison yard with sparklers, chugging champagne beneath an overpass, a public toilet with a boob job, Instagram filters on a dead harlot. The end. 
Uh, that's written. Uh, this book is uh, Los Angeles is Hideous, Poems About an Ugly City by a good friend of ours and a former co-worker, uh, Andrew Heaton. Welcome, Andrew. How are you? Uh, I'm great. Uh, there are surreal moments in life where you go, this is not what I thought would be happening with my career. I didn't think I would have Glenn Beck reading poetry I wrote, but you knocked that reading out of the park. Thank I got to say, you. that was thank a wonderful you. Yeah, reading. well, thank you. Thank you. I kind of do it for a living. That's true. Yeah. Uh, so... <laughs> You weren't in a good space no. when you wrote this book. I, let, may I may I set the scene for you? Yes. Okay. So I had I moved to Los Angeles in January of 2020. Now, okay. if, if you will recall, <laughs> well, may, may I just good time. Uh-huh. why? Ah, good yeah. question, Glenn. Right. I moved to Los Angeles for the networking. Glenn. <laughs> for the networking i i knew i wasn't gonna like los angeles but i was gonna be at parties with producers and models you know uh, making, <laughs> making comedy right right uh, yes right. it was yeah, the yeah. most expensive rent in my life at a 600 square foot box but i wasn't gonna be in it that much right i was gonna be at diners meeting producers <laughs> right cut to four months later we're heavy into lockdown i am in a bathtub <laughs> eating oreos out of a bowl of milk with a ladle because i'm too depressed <laughs> to do dishes and i go I don't think I can live in this city anymore and began jotting down my thoughts on it and right. worked through it in the book right. that you just read from. Right. So this is therapy. Yes, this, this is, is very therapy. much therapy. Yeah. You, to say you didn't like Los Angeles <laughs> yes. is a bit of an understatement. Am I wrong? I I it is i think it is an aesthetic monstrosity and i just every time i went through it i just why would anyone allow this thing to happen and it just <laughs> it, it's just this giant asphalt carbuncle of varicose veins of traffic holding together strip malls and and rusted laundry machines and it's just everything <laughs> everything i aesthetically care about in life like i think edinburgh is probably the prettiest city in the world it has uh-huh. a castle it has cobblestones sure, yeah. and then los angeles is just this <laughs> Oh, this it, it, it's like if if you, you poked a cyclops and all the fat bubbled out and then congealed into cement. And, and I, I just walked around gaping at it all the time. Wow. It was, it was and I was like, I have to. But at I, least at least the people were good. I, you know, okay, well, I don't know. I didn't get to meet any of the people. <laughs> I was eating Oreos in a bathtub with a ladle most of the time. The, well, I'll say the, the thing that people generally say is, okay, granted, it's not the prettiest city, but... There's a beach, though. It's near a beach. Mm-hmm. And I, I get that. I'm not a beach guy, though. I don't like sweating. I also happen to think beaches are just a desert with a hole at the end. And my <laughs> recreational goal is not to try to get tired and sleepy next to a bunch of dead fish and sharks. Right. And, uh, and so for me, all of that was lost. So I was like, I don't care that it's sunny all the time. I, I Yes, I'm very happy to not be there anymore. And I'm glad that somehow that became the the Gorgon-faced muse that would activate my poetry career. So let me, let me ask you this. I'm just going to quickly read... Uh, uh, Los Angeles, the river. Hold on just a sec. Uh, behold. Now go ahead. Go roll the music here. Mm-hmm. Behold the mighty Los Angeles River. A lengthy concrete drainage ditch. <laughs> Wide as a shoebox. Pretty as a penal shower. Dribbling pollution into the city. But it, if a river but trickles through a mortared gutter. Is it a river at all or just a leak for some distant dehydrated mountain with an engorged prostate and bad aim? Twice a year, the rain gets lost or drunk and shambles through L.A., sloshing life back into this trough. But the rest of the time, 
It's merely the seepage of urban incontinence. The end. <laughs> Again, well done. I have yeah, to say, yeah, like, yeah, I, yeah, I, yeah. I now wish I'd made this an audio book and just yeah. done a Glenn yeah. Beck oh, impression if you of do the audio book. Oh, I'll cut it for you. That's I great. would <laughs> love to cut this for you. Uh, the, uh, there's not a happy there's not a really a happy ending in any of these no uh, in fact the last poem is called the big one where i talk about if the earth ever needs an enema it would probably start with los angeles <laughs> and uh just slough off into the drink uh no it's you know I there's read that one probably yet. redeeming qualities to los angeles i didn't get to enjoy them i think i would <laughs> i would probably risk uh harming myself if i stuck around long enough to try and explore them so no, it's mostly just working through the the aesthetic monstrosity that is los angeles uh there is. You mentioned the people. There is. There is a very brief poem in there um, called. Wait, I have. I have to re- give you the first uh, bed, please. Uh, the big one. <laughs> one day, the tectonic plates themselves will shudder at the ugliness, the traffic, the cost, the cilantro, and the city will will wail and clatter like Jenga blocks at closing time. Saith earthquake? Nay, the earth itself is gagging. When she finally wretches hard enough and lets loose the big one, this wretched people clot, this horrible, (laughs) this horrid asphalt carbuncle will sloth into the drink and the prophets shall and the prophets shall proclaim Lo, the earth has given herself an enema. <laughs> people clot is an interesting mm. way of looking. It really at... is. And it is kind of a people clot. It's, mm. it's just massive. Yeah, there's so many people there. They're like, you know what? I'll try. I'm not going to go on a political tirade. I'm going to really try hard not to go on a political tirade. No, go ahead. The reason that it's this giant urban, massive urban sprawl is because back in the 40s, I'm not making any of this up. The city fathers were afraid black people were going to get houses, and so they outlawed or they outlawed uh, uh, apartment complexes because they didn't want black people to live mm. in the neighborhoods. And they thought they probably live in apartments. So that seems to be the thing. So we'll outlaw them, and we'll make it so you can only have houses. Like 80% of the housing that you can have in Los Angeles has to be single-family units because they never got rid of that. So the, the city has to spread out. It has to spread like maple syrup on a driveway because it's illegal <laughs> to build up. So you mm. know what's weird is Phoenix – has uh, somewhat of the same story. They just didn't want to become Los Angeles. And so they didn't build freeways. Really? Yeah. <laughs> for a and long time. For right? a long yeah. time. Up until the 80s, there were no freeways in Phoenix. And they were like, we'll just keep it small. You know, if we don't have freeways, then we won't have any traffic. Mm-hmm. It didn't work <laughs> out for yeah. them. Didn't have anything to do with black people. Okay. But... Uh, Los Angeles is something special, I guess. (laughs) Yeah, and like they seem to be fine now in that regard, I think. But they've kept the old awful housing regulation all the same. And it's it's like it's one of those things when you're walking around, you're seeing this massive sprawl. It doesn't have to be that way, but they've kept it on the books. And it just I drive around. You get stuck in traffic for an hour and a half. And you're like, this is because of old dead racists that tried to mess with the housing market. (laughs) That's why this is happening. And you haven't fixed it yet. Yeah. Yeah. So what was your escape plan? Because, I mean, uh, if you yeah. just enter a lease uh-huh. in January 2020, I mean, you're committed for some yeah. time. I, I did I did find a, a person to take over the lease for me. Uh, and then... Wow, I, somebody dumber somebody, than you. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right. Well, wow. but if I was going to find a city, I managed to find <laughs> one. And he, he took the lease. Uh, every single U-Haul was booked. 
Uh, Gavin Newsom should be the U-Haul employee of the year. Mm. Uh, and, and I couldn't find it. So I left most of my furniture. He got my bed, all my stuff. <laughs> you just, I just left. You just abandoned just it. Left. I, you were I, like, I, I, I did a reverse Clampett family or like Jode family, like yeah. Grapes of Wrath, like right. back down the highway in my truck, <laughs> like, like playing, playing right. hillbilly music in, in right. reverse, just escaping. And then I, 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 I went and bought a, a 13 foot fiberglass camper from an 86 year old guy named Dave who sold it to me because he just got married and he didn't think it was big enough for him. But his wife and that i lived out of that for wait. five months this is wait. true i can wait, wait 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 yeah wait can you can you go back on that story you, that wasn't self-explanatory <laughs> well, you didn't catch all that <laughs> i don't know if i heard it right uh i left la yeah and with all my stuff in my car uh-huh. um Found, well, not all your stuff. Not all. With a quarter of my right. perfect okay. possessions yeah, right. that okay. had managed yeah. to flee the city right. with me. Okay. Uh, I bought a 13-foot, which is to say a pretty short, fiberglass yeah. camper that uh-huh. looked like an egg from an 86-year-old guy named Dave. Got that Who part. sold it to me because he just got married. He just got to, married. I think a 75-year-old lady. So Ooh, well done, wow. Dave. Wow. Robin Hanky Panky was he, going on. He here. did not think it was sufficient for them to vacation in. So I bought that from him huh. and then just lived out of that for five or six months. Wow. Kind of in a van down by the river. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so that's why I said at the beginning in the commercial that I, I did uh, for American financing. Hey, how's your financial mm-hmm. world working out for you? <laughs> I'd love to ask the next guest because I'm guessing not real well. My retirement plan consists of buying lottery tickets and hoping I'm special. Wait, but no, that's not true because we have in our midst here potentially the number one poet uh-huh. on Amazon. Mm-hmm. I mean, oh, you're yeah. very close. Right. To I, being... I, I think I was number 20. I, OK, I, I was number oh, 200 number on humor yesterday, number 20 in poetry. So apparently I'm a better poet than I am funny, which is <laughs> right. a surprise for me at this point <laughs> right. in my career. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I'm number 20. I think if I get to number one, I become National Poet Laureate of the United States. I think yes. that's, how, that's, oh, how that that's how it works. I think at least of California. Yeah. That'd be great. Uh, oh, I'd love so, that. OK, let's make this number one in poetry. Yes. Can we please? Mm-hmm. Uh, Los Angeles is hideous. Poems about an ugly city. I bought I bought a Kindle version of it today. Thank you. Uh, would you sign my Kindle? I would be happy to sign uh, your Kindle. I'll, I'll uh, etch, etch my name into the back. Yeah. Los Angeles is hideous. Poems about an ugly city. I think this book should be everywhere, <laughs> everywhere, uh, because it tells the truth in a very poetic sort of way. Uh, tells the truth about all of the light and the and the love that you can find. In Los Angeles. Back with more in just a second. Stand by first. Our sponsor this half hour is Goldline. Buying gold is a hedge against insanity. In fact, if he would have bought some gold, he wouldn't have had the money that because he had no money in his pocket anyway, probably wouldn't have had the money uh, to go to Los Angeles. And the people in Los Angeles would have looked at that and go, that's crazy. Here, let's go poop on the beach. Anyway, um, gold is a great hedge. They do that, don't they? Uh, yes. Yeah. Because yeah. yeah. <laughs> he's looking at me, and I was like, no, they do that. I mean, I right? didn't go to the beach, but yeah, probably. Yeah. Again, it's, it's, like, it's like a big litter wait, box. Wait, wait, wait. How long did you live there? I lived there for like six months. And you never went to the beach? I, Not I went there one time. Again, once. it's a litter box with dead dead fish. I don't I don't have any desire to go, but I went there one time. All right. <laughs> you, I would have, man, that would have been a series. That would have been a great series. <laughs> Just you in Los Angeles. So are you are you like a hobo now? I mean, do you have a place where you live? Are you still living I, in, I the, live in the, the great city of Tulsa? I moved there and I got really? I got a grant to live in Tulsa. I don't know if this has popped up in the newsfeed for anybody, but there's no. this thing called Tulsa Remote and they induced me to move there having a great time. Wait, wait, wait. 
There's a what? So wait, what, what is the program? Oh, there's there's a program where they're they're trying to attract, I guess, brilliant poets like myself. I don't know what the criteria are. But, wow, what uh, a if, waste if, of money that is! <laughs> Holy! If, if you get accepted to said program, you're you're given a, a, a lump sum, at, or you're you're given like a monthly stipend and then a lump sum at the end of the year. Hmm. And so, uh, uh, so my new retirement plan is convincing cities to pay me money to live in them. And Tulsa's a nice one. <laughs> <laughs> convincing cities. Wow. Is this not how regular finances work? For people? <laughs> no, it's you don't not, look out no, for grants I, I to live in a know city. That, 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 doesn't seem like a good investment for Tulsa. <laughs> Uh, no, they're they're getting a good suit collection. I'm, mm, I'm a nice right. guy. It's I, I'm like. And, well, and what is it you have to do uh, for Tulsa? Uh, I I have to live there. That's that's okay. the deal. That's it's, the deal. You have to you have to live there, and it has to be. I have to be a remote worker because they don't want you competing with anybody. And it. it now turns, I've been to Tulsa. Uh-huh. It's it's not a place where I would feel like they'd have to pay you to live there. You know, uh, it's not Los Angeles. It's, right. it's, uh, it's much nicer. Way more trees. Better tree to human ratio. Right. Uh, it only takes 20 minutes to get one, from one side to the other. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's nice. And I'll say like something that I actually really like about mid-sized cities that I hadn't anticipated is they I think I think they facilitate a melting pot better than large cities do. Mm-hmm. Because like when I lived in New York, you kind of clump with people that are similar to you, uh, not thinking about it. Mm-hmm. In Tulsa, there are two cigar bars. So if you like cigars, you're going to meet every yeah. black, Latino, gay. <laughs> transgender person in Tulsa who likes cigars. We all are friends and we get along and we hang out. It's nice. So I'm having a good time. Right. Okay. That's all not right. surprising to me. That's not surprising to me. It, it, it's you do, You're right. In New York and Los Angeles, I think that's what happens. You you wind up walling yourself off in these little communities inside of these well, big communities. Well, because every the, every other community is so hostile to your community. Yeah. yeah. That's you know true. what I mean? Yeah. You're like, don't, don't, don't tell anybody, but I'm whatever, fill in the blank. And the other side is like, if you find any of these guys, kill them. <laughs> See, conversely, Tulsa is great because you're allowed to just shout compliments at strangers for moving automobiles. Mm. Like, not catcall, but like, I'll just roll down the window and like yell at couples on dates and be like, you look fantastic. <laughs> and, and they'll like, they're like, thanks, mister. Because we're basically in the 50s. Yeah, but, right, uh, yeah. Then they'll go off to the sock hop or whatever. I like I'll that. Go eat Oreos in a bathtub. Yeah, I like that. <laughs> um, so uh, uh, you took a mutual friend of, uh, of ours, uh, or she took you home last night uh yeah uh, well yes by, by what you mean her and her husband an drove story. me to a friend's house yeah yeah mm. uh, I, uh for a second i thought i had a more fun evening than i did no, no i, I was like this is no. great i'm surprised i found out from glenn no. that i took somebody home <laughs> uh, yeah and i was like oh no she no. just gave me a ride yeah. yeah but she said that you uh uh, you have a pretty convincing impression of me. Oh yeah, I've got okay. I've I've been working on a Glenn Beck impression. Really? Right. Yeah. Can I? Um, all right, Stu. Mm-hmm. Would you ask me if I like bananas? If Glenn likes bananas, Glenn, do you like bananas? Have you ever seen a man die <laughs> from potassium withdrawal? <laughs> Not a good way to go. So that's my Glenn Beck impression. Wow, that's thank you. Thank you. That was very wow, good. that's that great. Very yeah, that's, good. Uh, does it apply to? Is it always about it's potassium? Always, it's it's it needs to be deep, mm-hmm. a little ominous, and involving potassium. Mm-hmm. That's that's <laughs> what I figured out. Is All it right. Needs to so, be, like, if I said, "Hey, how are your kids? They're great now." <laughs> <laughs> 
Because the <laughs> every, everything is taking place in the vestibule of the apocalypse. Right. right. Yes. So right. as long as you can see the apocalypse from wherever the statement's coming from, you're, you're, you're on. Yeah. Uh, Andrew Heaton, uh, the host of his own very successful podcast, The Political Orphanage, uh, comedian, and now the author of the new book, Los Angeles is Hideous. <laughs> it is a true story and, uh, and poems written from the heart. Uh, Andrew Heaton, as always, good to have you here. Good to be here. Thank you. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> Where are you going from here? Uh, I'm I'm no, hanging you, out until until I go on Stu's show later today. Yeah. No. Yeah. I mean, we're still on the air. Oh, I'm sorry. I no, thought that was. Right. <laughs> yeah, oh, no. my bad. It's but okay. He's allowed to mention my show on the air. No, yeah. he's saying not, that's not, not on this program. Oh, okay. uh, yeah, I'll, I'll be here the rest of the day. I'll probably head back to Tulsa tonight or tomorrow. I mean, what are you going to do from here? Are you going to be doing comedy clubs, or are you just going back home to eat? I mean, I assume National Poet Laureate will be the thing. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'll do All that. Right. I'll probably travel around okay. the summer. We'll just start All doing right. live meetups. Might go to Scotland again. Yeah. In other words, you have up until the end of today planned. Yeah. Yes, okay. that's correct. Yeah, okay. For retirement and purposes. You'll be playing milk through your nose uh, and yuck yucks in Salt Lake City uh, till the end of September. Los Angeles is hideous. Wow. The new book. Get it now. Na, 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 na.